the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. What a joy. And we know that sometimes in the life of the church, in the life of following Christ, there are tears and cries. And so that is part of our reality. Would you join me again in prayer? God, we thank you for this privilege of gathering here in your name, and we ask that your spirit would rest on us and move in us, open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, Lord, we don't want to miss anything you have for us today, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to those of you who are here, those who are joining online, it's good to have you with us. If you were here last week, you know that we took a look together at the final words of Jesus, his parting words as he gathered his friends, the 11 disciples, and gave them some instructions. These are the same people who would become the church, who would go on to be the Christian church, which we are part today. And he gave them commands, instructions that we've come to know as the Great Commission. Jesus told his disciples, go, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This mission that Jesus gave this group of disciples is still the mission of the church. It hasn't changed. It's still the mission of of Bethany Covenant Church. And Jesus gave that mission, that commission, to these friends together, and he gives it to us together, and so we find ourselves commissioned by Christ and co-missioned together as we serve and follow Christ today. And here at Bethany, we express this mission from Jesus in this time and place as inviting people to know God, inspiring people to follow Jesus, and involving people to serve their neighbors both near and and far. And we're going to be spending some time over these next several weeks together digging into this mission and vision statement. And this morning we begin with our declaration that as the people of God, co-missioned by Christ, we are always going to be people who seek to invite other people to know God. We are people who ourselves have been brought to new life through the work of the Spirit in us. We've been called by Christ. We want other people to get in on it. We want them to know God, to follow them, to follow the ways of Jesus. We want them to celebrate and experience that joy and that kind of life. We want other people not just to believe in God, but actually to know God personally. Now, we know that believing in God is important. We read in the Gospel of John that that one time there were people who were crowding around Jesus, listening to him teach And they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. And so believing in God is essential. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God is so central. Last week, we recited together the words of the Apostles' Creed. We declared our faith, our beliefs. We affirmed what we hold to be true. And as we said those words, we reminded each other, we even reminded ourselves as we heard them, this we believe and hold to be true. But we know that our faith is also 
a relationship. We don't just believe certain things about God. By God's Spirit, we have come to know God through Jesus Christ. We know Him, and He knows us. We are in a mutual relationship that's marked by love. We walk with God. This is the kind of relationship we learn about in the early chapters of Genesis. We learn about Enoch, someone who walked with God. We're told that when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years. It had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. We're told that Enoch walked with God. It's a, it's a beautiful image. In fact, we're told that he just kept walking with God. He didn't experience death. God took him away so that he could continue that close relationship with Enoch in heaven. And our desire is to be people who walk closely with God all the days of our lives. And then to invite other people to do the same, to invite them to join us in that journey of following Jesus, to come to believe in Jesus and then to know him personally and intimately. Jesus told his disciples, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The way we know God is to come to know Jesus. Paul writes in Colossians 2 that in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. When we come to know Jesus, we have come to know God. God in the flesh, God with us. And we want people more and more to know God through Jesus Christ. Not just to believe in him, but to know him. I think about what it's been like for me these past couple of weeks as the staff here at Bethany have done a great job helping me figure out kind of who's who and telling some stories about that help me connect the dots of who people are and what they do, a little bit of your backgrounds and histories. And so as I've gotten to, to know about you through those uh, conversations, there hasn't been a case where I haven't believed that you exist. I hear about you, and I'm like, okay, I believe you exist, but it's only when I have gotten to meet you that we can have conversation that becomes the seed of a relationship. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about coming to know God through Christ, not just hearing, not just believing, but actually knowing personally. The Apostle Paul had a deep desire for people to come to know God personally through faith in Jesus Christ. And that passion took him across the known world in his time. It's, it's those missionary journeys, that, that passion, that commitment to evangelism that we read about in the book of Acts. This morning we're focusing on the account in Acts 17 of Paul's time in the city of Athens. Now just prior to this time, Paul and his companions, his friends, Silas and Timothy had been teaching and preaching the good news about Jesus in Berea. But there were some Jews who were opposed to the gospel message who, who traveled to Berea to stir up trouble, to cause problems for Paul and his friends. And so the church there, we're told, whisked Paul away to Athens, and then he was waiting for his friends to catch up. And this is where we pick up the story in Acts 17, beginning in verse 16. 
While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. And so in Paul's context, he was amid, amidst the Greeks who loved nothing more than to discuss and debate the latest and greatest new ideas. And so Paul found himself with a ready audience. And some of them weren't really sure what he was talking about. It seemed like nonsense to them. But others were curious enough to say something that maybe we don't often hear a lot if we talk about God or about Jesus. They told him, tell us more. We're all ears. Tell us more. What, is, what does this mean? What are you talking about? The people heard enough to be curious, and so they asked Paul to say more. And so let's continue in verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And so Paul has good news for the people of Athens. He says, I've seen that you, you are trying to honor some unknown God. And Paul says, I've got, I've got good news for you. You can know this unknown God because he is not far from you. He desires, in fact, that you would reach out, that you would turn and seek him and find him because he is near. He has come to be near you through his son, Jesus Christ. He has come to live among you and to teach you. He has come to offer an invitation for you to get to know him through his son, Jesus. And God proved all of this, Paul says, 
by raising that same Jesus from the dead. Let's continue in verse 32. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of, number of others. And so we see that as Paul delivered the message, he, he got a mixed response. Some people sneered. They scoffed. The idea of the resurrection simply was ridiculous to them. Some were curious. They were intrigued. They said, we want to hear a little bit more. And we're told that by the grace of God, some people came to put their faith in the truth of Jesus Christ and to begin that relationship with him. Now, 2,000 years later, we know that the gospel message receives the same mix of responses. Some people hear it and they say, that is babbling nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. We can't believe it. It's too ridiculous. It's too impossible. Some people are puzzled by the claims of Christianity, but they're just curious enough to, to want to know a little bit more. And some people place their faith in Christ. They believe the claims of the Bible about Jesus, and they begin a relationship with God through his son. And our mission as a church, our co-mission together always has to include this practice of inviting people to know God through his son, Jesus. And like Paul, we need to share what we've learned, we need to share what we believe, and we need to share the story of how we have come to know God personally, as we share the great news that God, in fact, can be known. And we can share this, this good news, we can share this invitation in, in four steps or in four ways. The first way is to tell people around us, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm seeing. When Paul was in Athens, we're told, he took some time to, to walk around, to get to know the city, to get to understand his context. He got to know by looking around what was important to the people he was about to spend some time with. Paul began by telling the people, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. And so Paul didn't just drop into the middle of Athenian life with no context, with no understanding, with no curiosity about the people that he was living with and intending to share the gospel with. He didn't assume that people were just all alike wherever he went, that people could simply be broken down into categories of Christians and non-Christians. Paul was observant, and he was looking for points of connection with the people around him. And we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing with the people around us who do not yet have a personal relationship with God. Because these people who don't yet know God do believe some things. They do have things that are important to them. They do have things in their lives that already might provide a connecting point to the truth of the gospel. But we won't know what those things are unless we take some time to get to know the people around us, to be curious, to be observant. And when we do take time to do that, then like Paul, we'll be in a much better place to be able to connect their story with God's story. 
will be in a better place to communicate the truth about God's love, the truth of God's love for them through Jesus Christ. Because yes, the power and the truth of the, of the gospel do stand on their own. But if we can provide context and connecting points to people, it can be so important. And as Paul connected with the people of Athens, he then clearly shared the story of God and God's love through his son, Jesus Christ. And this is our second step as we think about inviting people to come to know God. Paul says that God created everyone, and that he calls the people he created to know him, to honor him. Paul says God was patient, desiring that people would turn and reach out and seek him. And now God has made himself clear and more obvious than ever by sending Jesus to live among the people. God with skin on, God in flesh. In case the people were wondering if Jesus really was God, Paul says, God proved it by raising him from the dead. And so Paul pretty simply lays out the story of creation, of God's plan for people, and of God's desire that people would come to know him by reaching out and encountering him through Jesus Christ. Often one of the best connecting points we can provide to people is actually to share our own story. When we share the good news about Jesus, we're, we're not just reciting a list of facts. We're not just doing kind of an information dump, a download. We're sharing our story, our testimony. We're sharing what it means that our lives have been changed, transformed by the work of Christ in us. Sometimes when people hear this idea of sharing their testimony, they get a little scared. It might be a little, a little freaky to them to say, well, I, oh, I share my testimony. What do I do? So they think they won't know the right answers or be able to explain everything perfectly or be able to respond to any objections they might hear. And I think it's helpful and important for us to realize that this idea of sharing our testimony isn't like being called as an expert witness in a trial where we are supposed to know all the answers. I want you to think of it more as being called as an eyewitness to say, this is what I've seen. This is what happened to me. This is what I can share. Now, we don't know what Paul told the Athenians when they invited him back to share more. But we do know from other passages in Acts that Paul was in the habit of sharing his story, his testimony. Many times in the book of Acts, we see that he recounts what happened to him as he walked along the road toward Damascus where he was seeking to round up and imprison Christians and where he encountered Jesus Christ himself, where his life was completely transformed and turned around. He shared and rehearsed that story often of how while he was energetically committed to stomping out the church, Christ stopped him in his tracks and changed him from the inside out and gave him a new mission. Now, our own stories may not be as dramatic as Paul's. Paul, who was blinded for days after that encounter with Christ, but we do each have a story to tell, a story of what happened to us as God reached out and made himself known through Jesus Christ, and a story of how that relationship has changed and is tra changing and transforming our lives. In the gathering place, the, the back gymnasium area at, at Bethany, there's a bulletin board that features our missionaries, the missionaries that we support and pray for. 
And it's a great reminder for us to be aware of the work that they do. These missionaries who very much uh, in the style of Paul are in context where they need to learn the culture, learn the people, understand their opportunities to make connecting points between the gospel and the lives of the people they're serving among. And it's a great reminder for us to be praying for them as brothers and sisters who are co-missioned with us even though they're, they are far away right now. And you may have noticed too that in addition to the pictures on that bulletin board, there is a mirror because we are reminded as we look into that mirror that we have also been sent on mission to declare the good news about Jesus Christ, that we can number ourselves among the missionaries of Bethany Covenant Church, that we can begin right where we are to share the story, the good news of Jesus Christ, and share our story of how that story has changed our lives. And as we do that, we're going to get a mix of responses. We're going to get people who scoff at us. We might even get our feelings hurt. Some people will dismiss us as people who are babbling nonsense. Some people might be curious and say, tell me more. And some people, by God's grace, will be moved by God's spirit to place their faith in Christ. And as we do that, we're not going to have all the answers. So sometimes we're going to need to pull a Philip. And what I mean by that is to learn from the example of the disciple Philip, who when he was first called as a disciple of Jesus, began right away to share about Jesus, to talk to people about Jesus. And he did so without needing to know all the answers, without needing to understand everything himself. We read in John 1, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael, and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. And as we share our stories about our faith, about what we believe, about how God has transformed our lives, we may get a lot of questions. And sometimes our best answer will simply be, come and see. Come check this out. Come and see might sometimes mean, would you come to church with me? Come and see might sometimes mean, could, could we meet over coffee? Could we talk about this? Could I hear a little bit more about your story and, and can I share mine? Come and see might mean opening the doors of hospitality to our own homes to invite people in. And sometimes come and see actually means us going on someone else's turf to demonstrate the love of God to them personally. Come and see is at the heart of our commitment at Bethany to invite people to know God. Because we've got a story to tell. We have good news to share about Jesus Christ. And God places each of us, just as he placed Paul, in proximity to people. People who might actually be a conversation or two or three or four away from reaching out for God and finding that he is right there that he is near, and that he longs to know them through Jesus Christ. And so may we be people on that mission together, people with open eyes and ears and hearts, hearts wide open to the people around us. And may we be people who actually are expecting more and more that God will use even us to declare the good news of Jesus to those around us.
Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have made yourself known to us through your son Jesus. Lord, you are not a faraway God, but you are near. Jesus, thank you for calling us to yourself. Thank you for inviting us to follow you, to come and see for ourselves who you are and what you desire for us. And thank you, Spirit, as you keep pointing us to you and pointing us to those people whom you love and whom you desire to know and to love you. Spirit, we thank you. We know it is your work in the hearts of people that opens their eyes, that softens their hearts, that prepares them to say yes. And Lord, in that, may we do our part faithfully and joyfully. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.